You're listening to Coaching Skills for Leaders, episode number 17, airing on December 19th, 2011. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching Skills for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to develop their coaching skills so they can help others achieve their maximum potential. Whether you are a seasoned leader or helping lead people for the first time, improving your coaching skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is how to help people utilize new skills. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Coaching Skills for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and I'm coming to you from Innovate Learning Studio here in Orange County, California. Hope you are having a great week and getting ready for the winter holidays here. And uh, I am glad to be back and letting you know real quickly up front here that uh, my wife, Bonnie, is doing great. I mentioned in the announcement from last week that I missed last week's show for the first time here, and we were in the hospital for a few days, but I'm happy to tell you she's doing great, and the pregnancy is proceeding normally, and she is on bed rest, but we are now doing back to doing some of the fun things we were planning on doing last weekend, which is starting to look at cribs and how we're going to decorate the baby room, and so it's a really exciting time for both of us, so Thank you again for your patience and uh, letting me uh, do what was most important last week. And I'm back this week here with a new show. And this week, we're going to be looking at how to help people utilize new skills as a leader. And I mentioned a few weeks ago on a previous episode that this is the time of the year when a lot of leaders are thinking about people utilizing skills because, of course, it's performance review time in most organizations. And in fact, in many organizations, uh, leaders are starting to get to the end of having written and delivered performance reviews. But that does not mean by any means it's over because it is going to be very shortly here, the start of a new year, 2012. And that's going to mean new performance reviews, new goals, new opportunities in the new year, and the opportunity to really start off well. And that's probably one of the most important parts of the performance review and coaching and development process is it's not so much how you finish, it's how you start and what you're doing along the way. And so today, I'm going to be walking you through a model to utilize when you are trying to help other people utilize new skills that they're learning, and it's four key things, four R's actually, the letter R, that will help you remember things you can do as a leader to help people utilize new skills. And as you're listening to these, uh, you may want to send me some feedback or call in or email feedback, and you can do that at 877-LEARN45. That's the phone number to call in and leave feedback. Or you can email me at feedback at innovatelearning.com. So that's feedback at innovatelearning.com. Or you can even hop on to our Facebook site at Innovate Learning and leave a comment there and we'll uh, you can jump in on the conversation. You know, I've heard leaders say before that they're hesitant to spend a lot of time investing in people because they just become, uh, you know, they just leave after they become more skilled. And I think that's really a cop-out for a couple of reasons. Here's why. First of all, everyone is going to leave your organization or your team at some point. 
you know, by all means, as leaders, we want to do succession planning. We want to do whatever we can to keep people engaged. But people are going to leave regardless. It's just a matter of how long they're going to stay and what type of contribution they're going to make to the organization as they're there. The second reason I think that it's a cop-out to not spend as much time and resources putting in and developing people is that's part of your job as a leader. If you've been, if you're a person who's been fortunate enough uh, in whatever capacity, uh, either on your own or through an organization to be given the privilege to lead others. And by, and I use this term lead broadly, not just formally, but maybe informally leading people. It's your job as a leader to develop and coach them. That's inherent in the job. I love the quote from Larry Bossidy from Allied Signal that I may have mentioned a while back on a previous episode in the book Execution, which is a great management book, by the way, so I highly recommend it if you haven't read it before. But the uh, when he was CEO of Allied Signal, which of course is a Fortune 500 organization, he said he spent you know, 30 to 40% of his time in some weeks coaching and developing people, and that he felt that that was a good percentage of time. Uh, so even at the highest levels of leadership, you know, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company is spending a tremendous amount of time investing in people, coaching people, giving people feedback. That's your job as a leader. Yes, there's other things that go along with leadership too, but that's a key, key part of your job. So, uh, you know, when leaders kind of give the cop out of, well, I don't want to spend too much time developing someone, what are you doing? Uh, why? What are you spending your time on? And, and if you're not spending your time there, I, I don't know what you would be spending your time on as a leader that would be more important than that. Uh, certainly, there are things, some things that are as important, strategic planning and you know many of the other things leaders do, but that's a key competency. And so it should be, a, a if not the most important thing you're doing, at least one of the top three or four things that you're doing as a leader. And then probably third, and I think even most important is, if you have the mindset that you don't want to be spending time investing in your people, that will cause you to invest in people even less. And people will pick up on that and they'll be more likely to leave or to not be nearly as engaged as they would be if they were working for someone that was very invested in them. We all know people who have left organizations that they loved because they did not like their manager. And I know many people who have stayed with organizations that maybe, you know, wasn't their first choice or, you know, maybe they weren't as passionate about as other things they could have done, but they loved their manager or their leader so much because that person invested in them that they stayed engaged with that organization for a long time. And so there's so much really power that we have as a leader to affect people's ability to utilize their skills and to stay engaged on uh, both ways both in a negative way and a positive way. So here's four things that you can do to help people utilize their skill set and hopefully keep them engaged with uh, with you, with the organization, with their work, and help them to continue to invest and develop in themselves. So there's four R's. The first one is to reframe. So by reframe, I mean get people away from task accomplishment and more towards skill mastery. Now, what I mean by that is the difference between task accomplishment and skill mastery is task accomplishment is, you know, things you've achieved, certifications, tests, you know, um, things you've done. But skill mastery is really how much you are able to contribute your knowledge 
and your expertise to the organization in a proactive and creative way. There is a difference between passing the driver's test and being a good driver. There's a difference between having a CPA and being a good accountant. There's a difference between having children and being a good parent. And there's a difference between having knowledge and being a strong contributor to an organization. Uh, One of the things that comes to mind when I think about the importance of moving towards skill mastery is uh, stories I've heard in the past from leaders who have um, been working with employees who are working on certifications or degrees or, you know, a particular kind of a task accomplishment type thing. Um, I remember distinctly hearing a story from a leader that was in a class with uh, several years ago who said that she said many times were uh, her employees, she worked in a technical organization, uh, many times where employees would work on a master's degree or an MBA over the course of several years and uh, not do anything different in the workplace as a result of what they were learning. Uh, Never talk about what the skills they were learning with their manager or with their colleagues, not change anything that they were doing. And then two or three years later, come in during performance review time, you know, put the MBA down on the desk, you know, not literally, but say, Hey, you know, I finished my MBA. When is my promotion coming? (laughs) And that's just the wrong way to be looking about uh, at skill development. I think you would agree from the standpoint of the employee is to expect that just because you've checked a box that you are a stronger contributor to the organization and that just because you have some new knowledge means that you are uh, somehow a more effective employer deserving of a promotion or deserving of new responsibilities and new opportunities. And of course, that's a fallacy. Uh, you know, in many cases, There are more opportunities that open up, but it shouldn't be just because the box has been checked. And so it's really important for us as leaders, though, that we set the expectation for that. Yes, there's always going to be people that think that if they get a certification or if they learn a new skill set or they pass a test or something that they do that's a task accomplishment type thing, that that's going to automatically qualify them for new opportunities, new rewards, uh, new ways to contribute. And, you know, we can do a lot as leaders to really set the expectation with people for reframing how they're looking at that. So when I say reframe, we want to get people away from just thinking about finishing the degree or completing all of the steps or completing the training program or completing the certification and get them into challenging them with practical experience. We want to challenge people to put what they're learning into action. And that, of course, is something that we want to give them responsibility for. But there also is some onus that comes back on us as a leader to really provide and encourage people to look for those opportunities. Um, I, I know I've had many, many times over the years where I have seen people who have, um, and we've worked with client organizations that have You know, many of the people have gone on, you know, after two or three or four years with the organization or through their careers, you know, they'll go on and they'll get their MBA or their master's degree. And when you talk to people about why they're getting a master's degree, unfortunately, many people, even still today, will tell you, well, you know, it's kind of the time to do it. And this is what my colleagues are doing. And, you know, I I think it's important for my resume. And, And it comes down to they do it because they see everyone else doing it. But they haven't really thought about, thought through how they're going to use their degree to really add value to what they're doing and to 
uh, change how they're working in their organization and add more value to their day-to-day responsibilities. I met with someone this week who was uh, considering a class that um, attending that we sponsor, and he was uh, telling me that he was not going to get a master's degree anytime soon because he said, you know, I see all these people getting master's degrees around me, but I don't see them applying the skills that they're learning. And he says that the degree I'd be interested in right now, I'm not going to have any opportunity to apply it in the workplace anytime in the near future. So I don't think it's the right time for me. And I said, (laughs) congratulations to you, because I think that's a really smart way to be looking at education and uh, and development. Now I say all this. You know, I have several college degrees. I teach at universities. Uh, you know, in addition to my work with Innovate Learning, so I believe strongly in education. I'm a huge proponent of getting you know getting education, getting good education, but make it practical too. So one of the things that we should do as leaders is if someone is working on developing a new skill we should look for and encourage them to look for opportunities to apply it. So if someone is in a technical role and they're getting an MBA, then we should be doing something to hopefully help, particularly if the organization sponsoring the degree, hopefully we should do something to give them some opportunity to apply what they're learning or to ask them and challenge them to say, hey, you know, how do you plan to apply this practically in the workplace? How can we work this into your job? And help do some brainstorming with them around that. Uh, if they're going and getting a certification, uh, really to spend some time to sit down and to strategize in advance, not after the certification is done, but in advance, how are you going to use this? What are you going to do differently? How are you going to apply that? And how is it going to take what you're learning and putting it into action on a daily basis? Now, the reason this is important this time of the year is, of course, it, this is also the time of the year when uh, leaders are setting goals for next year. 2012. So rather than just writing down, and I I see this constantly on development reports is, you know, attend this class, uh, get this degree, finish this certification, uh, do this three times, uh, learn this skill set. You know, all those things are one component of learning, but they only are the kind of the task accomplishment type things. What I really want to do as a leader is I want to encourage people to take those task accomplishment type things, that knowledge, and to put it into practice. So that should be part of the framework that we challenge people to look through, and it should be part of the framework that we're communicating to people when they're learning new skills. Not just what are you learning, how are you going to use it, and let's plan that out in advance. So that's what I mean by reframe. We're reframing the way we're looking at this from task accomplishment towards skill mastery and use of that skill. Now, number two here, the second R is reconnect. I mentioned this in a previous episode as well, too, is that we really want to focus on having regular meetings and conversations with the people that we're leading, particularly when there's a time frame that they're learning and starting to utilize new skills. So if they are going through a degree or a certification, or you've given them a new task or responsibility where they've need, needed to go out and enhance their skill set, is we should be as leaders connecting with those people as, as often as we can. I, I like, you know, once a week. Uh, I think once a week in many organizations and, and in many um, 
in many reporting relationships is a good time frame to meet with someone. Now that changes depending on how many people you're leading and what the organization looks like and goals and priorities, of course. But certainly at a minimum, sitting down with someone once a month and having a conversation about what are you learning, what's your development, I think that's probably a bare minimum in most organizations. If you can get closer to once every other week or even once a week, that's great because discouragement and obstacles happen. Part of the learning process and part of the development process with everybody is anytime we're learning a new skill set, we're trying to apply something new, we're doing a uh, task for the first time, is uh, people are going to run into obstacles. That is human nature, and and we all do. And so when people run into obstacles, uh, generally they're going to do you know a couple of things. Um, either they're going to try and figure out the best way around it, or they're going to give up. And either way can be bad if they don't have coaching, because if they give up, then you know they're off the track and they're not engaged anymore. If they try to figure it out, they may figure out doing it the wrong way. And they may not feel like they can come to you or to whoever else is coaching them to provide guidance. It's harder for them to not get that guidance if they're meeting with you regularly. If you have an ongoing dialogue with people that you're leading and you're constantly having conversations about what they're learning, you're going to hear about those obstacles. You're going to hear about those discouragements. And at first glance, I think many leaders get concerned about that. Like, oh, you know what? I don't know. I don't want to talk about discouragements and obstacles and all that. Well, you do. You really do want to hear those things because they're going to talk about them regardless. But I want to be the person they talk about them with. I don't want it to be their colleague. Uh, I don't want it to be someone in another organization. I want them to talk about the obstacles with me because I want to help coach them through those things. I want to give them perspective and use encouragement when they inevitably hit those situations to get them back on track. And I also want to reward progress, not just results. And one of the things I really would encourage you to do as a leader is to challenge people to compare themselves with themselves. We have set up a business world and in many organizations and nonprofit worlds where we compare ourselves to others and organizations compare themselves to others. And that is just part of how things work in the business world. And I would challenge you to, when you're talking about development and skill development, is to get outside of that framework. Challenge people to compare themselves with themselves. So it's not how good are you doing this and compared to Bob and compared to Susie. It's how good are you doing this skill in compared to where in comparison to where you were a week ago, a month ago, six months ago. You can do that if you're having regular meetings and you're reconnecting on a regular basis. You can't do that once a year. And that's the problem is, is that many leaders only talk to people formally about this once a year. And, uh, you know, there's no point, there's not a lot of points for comparison. There's not been an ongoing dialogue that's been happening. And there's certainly not been regular encouragement when they've hit obstacles and, and talking to people and rewarding them for their progress that they've been making all along the way. And it, and if it's just a once a year conversation, it just becomes those check marks. Did you finish the degree? Did you finish certification? Yes. You know, again, that's an important measuring stone, but it's only one piece of the puzzle. We also need to be able to look at how people are using what they've learned. Third piece is to renew. Renew. Make things new again. 
you know, you just can't know everything on January 1st or whenever it is that your organization does the yearly performance reviews. As much as we all like to think as leaders that we've got it all figured out on January 1st or January 15th at the beginning of the year, we don't. Everybody knows things change two to three weeks later and budgets change, organizational priorities change. Uh, the organization hits obstacles it wasn't expecting, opportunities come up that the organization wasn't expecting, someone leaves, someone joins the organization. There's always things happening. And so, it again, it's not enough just to have this conversation once a year. We have to be able to renew and make things new and to add stuff in mid-year. And I, I think a lot of leaders get very legalistic about this as they look at the performance and say, well, you know, my organization says do this once a year and, you know, have these things down and we need to measure people on the things we've put on the development report. We can't be adding things in and changing rules along the way. And yeah, all that's true. So by all means, put the things down on the development report you need to put down and, you know, yes, keep people on the path that they, you know, you had set out at the beginning of the year, but, but also don't be afraid to add new things in. Don't be afraid to add things in and maybe even make some changes and make some tweaks. And maybe you just sort of set the development report aside and you say, okay, here's the development report. We've already done this. You're already working on the schools. Now, in addition to that, let's have the conversation about how, what are some new things we can do to help get you using what you're learning and to adapt and to change. And, you know, we really want to avoid people getting into either extreme in the workplace of being overwhelmed or being underutilized. And I think that in many cases, uh, ironically, we put more effort and concern and care into people that are overwhelmed, that are not performing to the levels we'd like to. And, and so many great, or, so many organizations have very good models for this. They have performance improvement plans. They have, you know, process you go through if someone isn't performing, if documenting and and in, you know, organizations have a whole process for that, but then nothing's done with the person who's being underutilized. You know, someone, uh, you know, they, we set a, a goal on the development report on January 1st and the person's mastered it by, you know, end of April. Well, then they're being underutilized. You know, what's the new way we can make things new and re-challenge and give new opportunities to? And if you're only having that conversation again once a year, you're missing a huge part of that opportunity to keep that person engaged and help them to use a new skill set. So avoid people getting into those extremes either way by making things new, not being afraid to make changes to the developer report. If you can't change it, then again, just set it aside and, you know, add on just an informal piece of paper or have an informal conversation and say, hey, you know, you already did this. That's great. You met the expectations for the year. But now let's talk about what we can do more at, to continue to develop and grow you from a standpoint of your skill development. And how can you be more, even a stronger contributor to the organization? Now, finally, the fourth R is return. What can this person do to teach others in the organization. So as someone learns a new skill set, as someone's getting uh, good at doing something for the first time, or maybe they've been doing something for a while that they've really developed an expertise on, what can they do to teach others? What can they do to teach their colleagues uh, or maybe even the people they're leading to take that skill set that they've learned and to be able to integrate it into the work that the entire organization is doing? There's almost always an opportunity to be able to challenge people to return what they're learning to the organization. And again, 
especially anything that's done formally. Uh, if the organization is sponsoring a person to get their MBA or master's degree or, or college degree or certification or going through a training program or you send someone to <laughs> cross the country for four days to learn some new skills, uh, they should come back and teach others how to do it. They should return something. They should start a new project. Whatever is going to be able to take that person's skill set and engage with something that is in the organization that's ongoing right now where that skill set can be used, or it's uh, it's something they can teach others and get other people on that same team. And if those opportunities aren't there, then maybe they're not looking and, you know, maybe you're not investing as a leader in the right places of people to really improve their skill set. So that's something to also keep in mind too. If you can't find a way for someone to apply the master's degree that your organization just paid for, for your company, why are you sponsoring the master's degree in the first place? And again, I'm not knocking education. Uh, you know, it's it's critically important, but but there should be some thinking that's done in advance to how can we have a win-win with all the things that people are learning as far as new skills and new opportunities, and how can we take those and give people an opportunity to really use them? And so how do those responsibilities you know, and those tools also connect back to their long-term goals? And we've been talking throughout this series of shows on people's long-term goals and what is it that is important to them why are they in the career that they're in and what do they want to learn from this organization and also return that way too. So how can I take what this person's learning in their skills and connect it to their long-term goals and make the case for them as here's why you'd want to spend time and resources developing this skill and bringing it back practically to this organization. So those four areas if, if we can do those things as leaders and we can do that not only during performance review time, but if we can do that every, you know, throughout the year, we're going to have a lot more success with helping people to utilize their new skills. You know, it's been a while since I've written my own performance reviews uh, in leading folks. And more often than not, I'm working with others and coaching people on the performance reviews that they're writing for their, uh, their employees. But I know I struggled as much with writing performance reviews for good performers as I did with underperformers. And, and that's because I think, you know, with underperformers, it, that's not an easy conversation to have when you have to write a, a performance review for someone who's an underperformer. And I'm not saying that it, that's easy at all. In fact, that can be one of the most difficult conversations to have as a leader. And I also found that having a good conversation with a strong performer for me during performance review time was always a challenge too. Cause I was like, well, what else am I going to give this person? They've already hit all their objectives. They hit all their objectives halfway through the year. Essentially we can't promote them yet. Cause either they're, they hadn't been in the position long enough and it just wasn't politically possible to move them up or, you know, the budget wasn't available to pay them more. So well, what am I going to do for them? Well, here's what you can do. Reframe, get people away from task accomplishment only and move towards skill mastery, reconnect with them regularly, renew what they're doing, make things new again, find new goals, find new opportunities throughout the year, and challenge them to return what they have, what the organization has invested in them, back to others, back to you as a leader, and back to the organization, ideally in a way that connects with their long-term goals. So I hope that those four areas are helpful to you as you start thinking about 2012. And as you're uh, thinking about ways to apply that and you're wondering about what you could do that uh, might 
fit into that model and what ways you might challenge people in new ways, uh, you know, give me a call. Let me know what feedback you have, and uh, I will be happy to jump in and provide resources and tools to the extent I can. And you can reach me at 877-LEARN-45 or feedback at innovatelearning.com. And I also mentioned that we do have a Facebook wall, Innovate Learning. You can find us on Facebook, and it is Innovate Learning, not Innovative Learning. Happens all the time. Kathy posted on Innovate Learning's Facebook wall this past week in regards to the episode that I had done two weeks ago on spending $700 on your professional development as a leader, and that was episode number 16. If you missed it, check it out on the Innovate Learning website at innovatelearning.com, or of course, it's on iTunes as well. And she had a great comment that I actually forgot to mention about spending money at the end of the year. She said, hey, you know, there's an organization that I'm affiliated with that allows you, if you have money that's in your budget at the end of the year that you haven't used yet, you can actually purchase a voucher for future development. And the organization she mentioned was, uh, she's in higher education, the Association of College Unions International. Um, She says they provide vouchers for future development. And as I read her comment, I was thinking, gosh, you know, I know of several other organizations that do that as well, too. So another resource for those of you who are looking for tools on adding to your future development, and particularly if you have budget at the end of the year, like Francis does, and she mentioned in episode 16, uh, that's another thing to look into. So talk to your organization, see if they'll do that for you. And that's a great way to keep invested in yourself. And as we talked about in episode 16, you have to invest in yourself first as a leader. Uh, This entire series of shows is about how to coach others and how to really help others achieve their maximum potential. But you can't do that well as a leader if you haven't invested in yourself first. So I challenge you to, if you haven't thought about how you're going to do that in 2012, go back to episode 16. There's some great ideas there. And in addition, if you're looking for other ideas, reach out to us. The link for the show notes is going to be on our website. This is episode number 17. You can find it at innovatelearning.com. So feel free to look for all the notes there. Hey, if you or your organization is looking to improve the coaching skills of its leaders, or if you want to improve your coaching skills, let me know. Might be able to help you out. And you can reach me at 877-LEARN-45. And again, uh, feedback at innovatelearning.com. Hope you have a great Christmas holiday for those of you who celebrate Christmas this coming weekend. I will be back with a show next Monday, December 26th, I think. Uh, Whatever that Monday is, I'll be back. Hope you have a great week, everyone, and enjoy the end of the year. 